Hello, um, and welcome back to Commentary by Canary. Today we're going to be watching Iron Man 1, the film that kicked off the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. One of my favorite bits of trivia about this film is that Marvel is about to go bankrupt, and they thought that making toys would make them profitable again and bring in a good source of revenue. Um, and unfortunately, they had sold the rights to their already, like their household superheroes you know spider-man and the x-men and the fantastic four so what they did is they brought in a bunch of kids and showed them all these uh comic book characters and said and asked them to say which one would look would be the coolest toy and iron man was the winner um <clears throat> and they made this gutsy casting choice to bring robert downey jr on board he <clears throat> had kind of fallen from Hollywood's graces. And, of course, you know, everyone knows how that <laughs> how that changed and how all of these superheroes, even the super obscure ones, are household names at this point. Um, I'm coming back to this podcast because I have to quarantine. I was an extra on a set and <laughs> I was going to get to PA for a day um, when I was told that I was exposed to someone who had tested positive for COVID. So I have to quarantine. All of my tests have come back negative. Um, I do not want to get COVID again. I had it back in September and that was really rough. So this is day three of the 10 day quarantine um, and I'm hoping it'll go by quickly. So Iron Man, it's a great series. Um, if you have it loaded up, let's hit play in three, two, one, play. Another reason that I love this character so much is that it was really one of the first portrayals of uh, like panic attacks that I had. Um, and I had been diagnosed with anxiety and depression right before Iron Man 3 came out. So when I watched that movie and I watched Tony Stark have that panic attack, it really made me feel comforted. And like if this superhero, you know, this, this amazing guy can have panic attacks and be okay, then so can I love how this song has just become synonymous with this character and superhero movies in general. And in this song, it's not even Iron Man. It's back in black, but I do love it. And that guitar riff just gets me so excited. I'm also excited to uh, rewatch the Marvel movies to pick up on the Easter eggs from WandaVision. Um, I know it'll probably be more like Age of Ultron, but they're really good at setting things up. At this point, episode seven has just come out, the, the Modern Family episode, and Agatha all along is a bop. I, I always forget that Tony was a dick like this. I forget the Playboy and the Playboy millionaire, billionaire, genius, whatever slogan. Ironic that he'd be out of a job with peace now that it's, it became his whole job once the Avengers became a thing. I love foreshadowing. I wish I... I couldn't write a story like that. I can't keep track of stuff like that. I'm not clever enough. Uh, baby Robert. 17? From college? I thought I was smart for graduating college in three years. So where was he those last four years between 17 and 21 after MIT? Okay, I thought Rolling Stone was only a music magazine. Am I incorrect? Unless Robert's 
album is canonical. I feel like he has set a precedent for not showing up to things when he's needed to be. So why do they not keep better track of him? Like, why are they not more prepared for these situations? That is, that's kind of, that's kind of a dope name, The Merchant of Death. It's pretty metal. Something I've been thinking a lot about is how Howard Stark really ties the whole MCU together from his involvement to Captain America to his impact on Tony, um, even on Bucky Barnes, um, the whole founding of S.H.I.E.L.D. I also love how Paul Bettany, I don't know, he recorded all of his lines in like a couple hours in a recording studio. And he completely forgot about it. And I don't even think he remembered what the project was for. And now, and then, right, and then mild spoilers, you know, WandaVision and his involvement even in Ultron. And he had to go from being a voice to being a superhero and having to bulk up for it. Because he was about to give up on acting. Uh, I think right before he got the role of Jarvis. Anything Mr. Tark requires. Including usually taking out the trash. Iconic line. While we have this um, montage, my involvement with, or my, my interest in the Marvel movies began when I watched the 2012 Avengers movie at a drive-in theater in my hometown. Um, <laughs> and I got a fat crush on Loki. And also, and I thought Steve. I thought Steve was really cool and really cute, and I liked his motivation. Um and I watched Thor, and I was like, oh, like, Thor is okay. Like, yeah, Loki's cool. Um, and so, and then I went to Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and then I fell deeply in love with Bucky. That was, that was it. And then I was hooked. And then, of course, I watched the Iron Man movies. Um, and then every other movie after the Avengers, also in theaters. And I, I would later work at that drive-in for two summers, so um, when Spider-Man Homecoming came out, as well as Ant-Man and the Wasp and Guardians, was it Guardians of the Galaxy that came out in the summer? I ended up watching those movies like 14 times because there's only one screen in our drive-in theater. We play two movies every night and you could watch it from the concession stand. So it was really fun. Just a moment of appreciation for Sarah Finn's casting. Like, their chemistry. I don't know how far along they plan to have them go, like, develop this romantic relationship, considering this movie was a last-ditch effort. But it really laid the ground so well. I, I, think, I think the movie has aged well over thir thir 13 years? It's been 13 years! So, an early draft of the script revealed Tony Stark to be the creator of Dr. Otto Octavius's tentacles from Spider-Man 2. Uh, he's a villain from the Spider-Man comics, but this wouldn't have been allowed because Sony held the rights to Spider-Man at this time. Um, and, you know, 13 years later, Doc Ock hasn't appeared as a villain yet. Spider-Man 3 and No Way Home, as the title was revealed yesterday. Is it's still filming in Atlanta right now? I accidentally walked onto the set where they were doing their PCR testing um, <laughs> on my way to a job interview. Um, but the movie comes out in nine months, so 
I just I I don't want the post production team to be overworked and stressed. And uh, in between these segments, I'm just gonna be reading trivia off of IMDb. That's the last one was from. It was shot in California, but the rest of them do film in Atlanta. Uh, Trellis Studios, formerly Pinewood. Um, Because I know Ms. Marvel was filming there. Hawkeye. Well, Hawkeye's been filming in Canton, Georgia right now. Um, And I know Marvel was filming something at Tyler Perry Studios. I didn't learn what the title was. But when they do their exterior scenes in New York... It's only it's only the exteriors and the insides are normally here in Atlanta. Um, IMDb trivia: Hugh Jackman was offered the role of Tony Stark uh, in the comics. Tony Stark's participation um, was in the Vietnam War. Um, it was later changed to the Gulf War, but in this film, it was Afghanistan, so it wasn't a period piece because John Favreau wanted a more realistic, contemporary look. Which I think ended up being good because we would have had Captain America in the past as well that would have changed all of the following films this the special effects and the the makeup for the arc reactor um and especially the scene later is insane okay some more background information on the the fact that i opened with about the pressure for the film to succeed uh marvel used the rest of their characters as collateral in order to get um, a $525 million seven-year deal um, allowing them to make original films based on their properties and if the film didn't succeed they would have lost intellectual property rights to their whole library and this film was in development for 17 years originally Universal was going to produce, April, produce it in April 1990 the rights were later sold to 20th Century Fox. Then Fox sold it to New Line Cinema. And then Marvel got to make their own movie. The, the production met with about 35 different writers, and all of them passed, as they thought Iron Man was an obscure character in the universe. And they were nervous about working for a studio that didn't have any movies under their belt, and they were only known for comics. And even the rewrites were refused. I often think about if I could go back in time and work on any set as a production assistant. Iron Man would have to be one of them just to witness everything unfold. Granted, I was like seven when they were filming. (laughs) Um, But it would have been insane to work on this film. I think my other option would be Bill and Ted. uh, Excellent adventure. That would also be very, very fun to work on. Rachel McAdams was John Favreau's first choice to play Pepper Potts, but she turned the role down. Um, she would later go on to play a role in Doctor Strange 2016 with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, his brown eyes are so pretty. <laughs> Too bad he's, a, he's an absolute jerk at this point still. And his, his little smile lines on the side, like, they're not dimples. They're just the, the wrinkles that you get when you get old. It's one of my favorite features on people. It shows that they smile a lot, and that's a good thing. I love those little smile lines. Even when his life is in danger, Tony's still an arrogant, controlling asshole. I really appreciate how the score has, like, this heartbeat effect in this part. It just really adds to the tension 
and how important it is what they're doing right now. Uh, foreshadowing for Endgame? Maybe, maybe not. Or do we just read too much into stuff? How much of this is coincidences? How many of the Easter eggs that we interpret as clues are deliberate? So uh, Obadiah, the guy played by Jeff Bridges, who we saw earlier, but we haven't seen him in a little bit. Uh, in the comics, he ran his own company called Stain International and was a business rival to Tony, rather than being part of Stark Enterprises and trying to take Tony's seat in the company. His name is also biblical. Um, and the name Obadiah means servant and worshiper of the Lord, uh, which obviously Stain is not in this case. He's very arrogant and self-serving. And uh, Mandarin was originally in this film. He was reimagined as an Indonesian terrorist instead of um, the antagonist that we have in this film. But um, mild spoilers, we do know that we see the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, but he might not have been the real version. And so we'll have to see how that plays out with Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Uh, according to John Favreau, Sam Rockwell was one of the actors that was considered for... Uh, Tony during pre-production but Rockwell would go on to play uh, Tony Stark's rival Justin Hammer in Iron Man 2 so in the deal between Marvel and Paramount that let them make this movie it was a six picture deal before Marvel was acquired by Disney and so that outlines the Avengers no wait (laughs) sorry that was Iron Man 1, 2, Thor and Captain America the first Avenger um, until Disney acquired it, so they didn't get to finish their six-picture deal. So the rights were transferred for the Avengers and Iron Man 3 to Disney. So in the comics, Happy is a chauffeur instead of the security officer, um, and he's the one that marries Pepper. Although they do later divorce, um, but the origin of Happy's nickname is also that he was a professional boxer. Obviously very different from the happy that we see here. So in October 1999, Quentin Tarantino was approached to write and direct this film. Later, Joss Whedon was in negotiations to direct the film in June 2001. But in December 2004, Nick Cassavetes was hired as a director with the film to release in 2006 when everything fell through. Finally, John Favreau was hired as a director in April 2006, um, and Whedon would later direct... Uh, Iron Man and the Avengers and the Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, apparently Nick Cage and Tom Cruise were interested in playing Iron Man. I I hope neither of them are in a future Marvel movie or show. In the comics, the woman Christine Everhart, you know, Miss Brown, who Tony ended up sleeping with, uh, she works for Vanity Fair in the movie, but in the comics she worked for the Daily Bugle. But they probably couldn't say that because of its correlation to Spider-Man. I think this film balances the kind of two antagonists really well. Um, Because obviously the antagonists right now are the terrorists in Afghanistan. But they're fighting back against Tony. Um, Their motivation is very believable because his weapons are the ones that are hurting them. And so they want him to make weapons for them so they can hurt them back, right? Um, But the anger at Tony should be directed at Obadiah Stain, who is actively trying to get Tony out of the company to continue to profit off of making these weapons that Tony doesn't want to make anymore. 
or that he will will come to not want to make. And so I don't I think it balances having more than one antagonist, having more than one side and this character growth really well in a first movie of many. I drank way too much coffee today and normally I only use like half the amount of grounds required for a normal cup because I can't handle caffeine, but I made extra today um, so I could have iced coffee tomorrow and I'm, I'm shaking now. I had, it's too much caffeine. <laughs> the music for this scene is so good. Oh, the peace sign. I don't know if it is intentional, but I do think Robert Downey Jr. does pay attention to his characters. I feel like he plays them with a lot of compassion because the, the gentleman in the, the truck wanted to do a peace sign. Um, see, I think that's the little interaction really points to Obadiah's self-centeredness. Like Tony was in captivity for three months. Um, and Obadiah wants one of his cheeseburgers. <laughs> uh, all the extras in this scene were told that it was a dream sequence so that they wouldn't spoil it. Um, even though extras have to sign NDAs, um, when I was an extra the last four days on a show, um, this, this gentleman spoiled the Falcon and the Winter Soldier <laughs> for me because he was like, yeah, it's in the pilot. So he just explained the whole plot. Um, I'm not going to reveal it. But it's so funny that he, I don't know, people are talkative, even though they signed these big legal contracts for Marvel. The stock market isn't real, guys. Come on. What do we learn from GameStop? The only thing is I kind of wanted more of a backstory of their relationship because Obadiah always kind of like, like kind of gave me X, you know? Um, and so I want to know what caused Tony to trust him so much and is, is willing to just tell him everything like that. Like just a little more background on their relationship. I know they covered it in the beginning when he was getting the award, but I felt like I just wanted more from that. I was kind of skipped over. This scene would not work if I were Pepper Potts because my hands are huge. But um, the, 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 how they did this scene with the effects is really cool. You should look it up because I believe uh, Robert is kneeling and that's a prosthetic chest that we're seeing. Um, and his head just kind of pops up on top of it. It's really cool. <laughs> that fully how would you clean it out i'm trying not to be too spoilery um with noticing these the like uh, the foreshadowing or the coincidences and the easter eggs for future films just in case you're one of the people who haven't seen any of the marvel movies yet but um this arc reactor <laughs> end game that's all i'm gonna say Another bit of trivia, Timothy Oliphant also read for the role of Tony Stark. This is one of my favorite parts. It just has a lot of charm. Robert Downey Jr. was paid half a million dollars for this film, 500000 <laughs> Like, granted, he was already a star, but for context, in 2017, Gal Gadot was paid 300000 for her role in Wonder Woman. That's kind of crazy. This scene is really interesting to me because it's like an inverse of what happened with Icarus in mythology. He flew cl close to the sun and it was warm and melted off his, his wings. And that's why he fell. 
But Tony flew too high and he got too cold, and that's why he's falling. So at this Stanley cameo, he's playing Hugh Hefner, um, and Hugh Hefner was the inspiration for Iron Man and Tony Stark in the first place. So it's pretty cool. Ten rings, ten rings, ten rings. I'm so excited for Chang-Chi. Um, it's supposed to come out kind of soon, and we don't even have any stills. We don't have a trailer, but they keep giving us Spider-Man news. Anyway, stand seemingly for clear skin. I really love the presence of the electric guitar throughout the whole score. I think it was really thought out, and the music really matches Tony's personality very well. The attention to detail and all of the care put into this film is amazing. I'd love to see more Pepper in, in the future movies. She's been a good supporting character through this time, but I'd love to see her take more agency and have a bigger spotlight. How does how how does that make your veins blue? I know it's probably just like a visual thing so we can see it and realize that something is happening, but it wouldn't turn your veins blue, right? Right. Purple really does just own my whole entire ass. Like they get they do shit like this and it makes me I'm trying not to cry. And it's like they just do it so easy. I create such attachments to these fictional characters. I think it's interesting that they recast Rhodey and they just didn't ever acknowledge it. I'm not quite sure if that was the best way to do it. I don't know. I'm not a showrunner. What do I know? Upgrades, people. Upgrades. Tony is so clever. Like, when, when, when they do stuff like that, I'm always like, oh my goodness, that's so smart. I can't believe it. I've seen this movie. This is probably my fifth time watching it. And it just, it keeps me engaged the whole time still in it. And I, I still ride the roller coaster of emotions every time. I feel like I don't have a lot to say, um, especially since he ran out of the trivia. But I guess that's why you watch alongside it. <laughs> um, just because I get so sucked into the movie. Despite it being so familiar, I just I don't have anything to comment. I'm just watching along. It's a good show. I think he's done a really good job at like his confidence being shattered. You know, realizing what he's gone through and like what his company stood for and everything he's responsible for. He's not as just confident um, and bold as he was before, and he's learning how to take responsibility. Love it. Growth. Okay, uh, roll credits. There is an end scene, of course, um, with Nick Fury. Did I fast forward too far? Yeah, always good to watch. It helps set everything else up. I love how Samuel L. Jackson got involved. They based the character's kind of rebirth into the comments as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. on him. And they're like, can we use your likeness? And he was like, well, yeah, only if you cast me. And so they did. And he's done a fantastic job. And I've loved seeing him and everything since then. Um, but yeah, that was it. That was Iron Man.
thanks for spending the last two hours with me. I'll probably, I don't know, I might be recording a lot uh, this week because I have seven days left of quarantine. Um, yeah, I think it's a fun movie. Let me know what you think. Have a good day. Bye.